Last year, I did some research and I started researching through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And I started looking at the miracles of Jesus. And I found that there was 30, 37 miracles that are accounted for in the Gospels of miracles that Jesus did. And as I looked closer, I saw 20 out of the 37 miracles that Jesus did, he attributes the miracle to faith. 20 out of the 37 miracles, Jesus directly attributes the miracle to faith that was present in the circumstance. This morning, I want to talk about faith. We see here that faith creates alternative realities. Faith creates alternative realities. Sometimes when we think about faith, we might think about faith as um, an added extra when you go and buy a brand new car. How many know that you can go and buy a brand new car, you can get the additional cup holders, you can get the tinted windows, you can get the sports pack, you can even get the heated seats. And sometimes we have this thought in our mind that faith is like an, an added extra. It's like the seat warmers. That faith is this thing that comes into our life that's going to help us in the journey. It's going to make it a little bit more comfortable. It's going to make it a little bit more bearable. But I want to propose this morning that faith is actually essential. Without faith, we're not even going to turn the key. Without faith, we're not even going to get to the destiny. Faith is not just an added extra where we feel comfortable like a seat warmer. I want to ask the question this morning, what if the primary component to your destiny isn't your education, it isn't your skill or experience or your capabilities or even your calling, but rather faith? What if the primary component to your destiny is actually faith? We spoke earlier that this year we're, we're believing and God has, has said many things about the growth that's going to take place in the lives of many people in our church, in our community. Maybe you're here and you're believing for breakthrough in a certain area this morning. Maybe there's promises of God over your life. I want to say this morning that them becoming a reality, the primary component is faith. Where we are going as a church, we've never been before. It requires faith. We're going to have a look at Mark chapter 4 verse 35. This is going to be our passage this morning, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And we're going to read down to verse 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, 
don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Or another translation says, where is your faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? This is a fascinating passage. We see here that Jesus, he's been doing the stuff, he's been healing the sick, he's preaching, he's teaching, and all of a sudden he leaves the crowds and they're going to the other side. He's asleep, and this storm comes, and it says the disciples are terrified. They come to him with a request, they wake him up. And they say, can you do something? How many know what that is? It's a request. It's prayer. They come to him with a prayer. And what does he do? He stands up and answers the prayer. And the sea is calm. I want us to have a look here because if this happened in our church or any church, Let's just say we were the disciples. All of a sudden, we come and we pray. We have a request of God. We've got an obstacle in our way. We have a request. It's called prayer. We come to Him. We pray. He answers our prayer. And then we would all applaud the testimony, yeah? But Jesus actually turns around and He actually says, Where is your faith? Here we have... These sincere people, disciples, that have come to Jesus, they have a request, he answers the request, and then he turns around and says, where is your faith? Why did he say that? I think we learn a little bit in other passages where there's a multitude of people and they need feeding and Jesus turns and says, you feed them. I think this is also seen when Jesus comes down from a mountain and there's a demonized boy and the father runs to Jesus and said, can you help? The disciples can't get rid of the demon. And here we have this story where the disciples come to Jesus with a request, with a prayer. He answers the prayer and Jesus turns around and does not applaud them. Does not say that was amazing. He actually says, where is your faith? I think sometimes as Christians, we're waiting for God to do something in our life when he's actually given us authority and power to do what he's called us to do. Now, I'm not saying that we work independent from God. I'm actually saying the opposite. He's actually calling us to be co-laborers, to be partners with him, to see the plans and the purposes brought about on the earth. But sometimes we can, if it's God's will, we sit back in a passive state and we don't engage with what God is actually doing and what he's called us to do. Is anyone alive? You doing good? If not, the coffee next door is great. There's no coffee today. <laughs> Looks like you're stuck here.
1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. What that tells me is that there's, there's, there's seasons when faith is actually a fight. It says fight the good fight of faith. There is seasons, there is times in our life where we actually have to fight the good fight of faith. What that means is we're not sitting back in retreat mode. We're not sitting back, but we're actually taking an aggressive approach to fight the good fight of faith. That doesn't mean it comes from striving, and we heard this morning, it comes from a place of rest. But what that means is we're not laying down. We're not saying whatever will be, will be. We're not saying, well, our, our you know, kibbutz is so tough for the gospel and we just happen to be here and hopefully we'll just survive until Jesus comes back. No, 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 we're aggressively moving forward and saying he's put us here in Kabulcha and we're going to see the gates of hell be demolished and see Jesus glorified. It means there's an aggressive approach, a posture of moving forward in faith. I'm trying to be as practical as I can today and I've got three points for those that love points. Um, there's three points this morning and this is three practical ways that we can actually aggressively posture ourselves to grow in faith because remember the primary component for you to move forward and where God has called you to be is faith it doesn't mean that there's not other things but the primary component is faith so number one declaring the word of God number one is it a posture and approach to, 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 to get ready for what God wants to do in our life, to grow in faith, is declaration of the Word of God. The Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful to build faith in us. It's incredibly powerful. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. In Mark 11, 23, um, we'll we'll just flick over a couple of pages here. This is the story when Jesus um, is hungry and he's going over to find something to eat and he sees a fig tree and he goes over and looks at it. There's There's no fruit. He curses the fig tree, and the next day the disciples come back. And Peter says this, he's, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. This is the power of our declaration of the word of God. But it's interesting here that that Jesus actually says, speak to the mountain. If we look at this closely, he's actually saying, hey, you see that obstacle in your life? You see that mountain? You see that doctor's report? You see that dysfunction? He's saying, speak to it. And it will be gone. 
In Isaiah 54 verse 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And you will condemn every tongue that rises against you. See, our words are weapons. The word of God declared is an incredible weapon. Joel chapter 3 verse 10 says, Let the weak say, I am strong. This was a command by God to say, let the weak say, I am strong. Now, isn't it interesting? He didn't say, hey, when the weak people finally climb out of their ditch and get strength, then declare I'm strong. He said, no, 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 no. In the middle of your weakness, that's when you declare I'm strong. You're strong. And sometimes we can think, well, we're not telling the truth. That's lying. I don't feel strong. There's nothing about me that's strong. That's the point. He's saying, unless you declare what God is saying, you'll never get to that point of strength. We doing all right? Um, I have a friend. I do have a friend. Adrian, I've got a friend. I have a friend and he's become a mentor to me. And he was recently sharing with me about an experience that he had um, quite a few years ago. And... There was a moment in his life where he went to the doctor and he ended up being diagnosed with cancer. And the PSA levels were through the roof. And the doctors and the specialists said to him, go home and get your affairs in order because you're not going to live very long. And this is what he did. He went home and he started to take medicine. And the medicine he took was the word of God. He found all the scriptures in the Bible that the Lord had promised to him about strength to his bones, about being the strength and and, and healing. And he started every day proclaiming these, declaring these over his life. He made it personal. And every day he took, like he told me, this was his medicine. That man is 77 years old and that story happened 23 years ago. This shows the power of the declaration of the Word of God. These scriptures are powerful. But let's just not let them sit there. Let's embody them. Let's declare them over our life, over over our circumstances, over our church, over our community. Because the Word of God is powerful. How many know that faith actually looks like something? Faith actually looks like something. It actually means that we can hear a, a sermon, we can hear something like this, but faith actually goes and puts, puts legs to the very thing we've heard. So I would encourage you this morning, whatever you're believing God for, get alone with Him and get into this book and find the promises of God over your life and start declaring them. Take it like you would brush your teeth or eat a meal. Take it as regular as that and put value on the Word of God over your life. My friend is 23 years ago, he's 77 now, and he's just believing God for increased influence in his life and amazing things to happen. The second way that we posture ourselves 
to fight this good fight of faith is removing unbelief. Removing unbelief. Most of the time we don't have a faith problem, but it's an issue with unbelief. The Bible says that faith, Jesus said that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. A mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. Faith is extremely potent, it's extremely powerful. But what happens is we mix it, we dilute it with unbelief. And we can actually take the thing that is the most powerful thing on the planet to be totally ineffective because of our unbelief. We see this when Jesus, he went into his own hometown and it says because of their unbelief, he wasn't able to do many miracles. The unbelief of people actually had the ability to shut down the Son of God right there in their midst. In Mark 9, Jairus said, when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, just believe. He said, I do believe. But remember what he said? Help me with my unbelief. What he was saying was, I've got the faith, but I've got an opposing force to the faith. I've got the small seed of faith, but I've got the opposing force of unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Faith doesn't deny a problem exists, it just denies a place of influence. We're not like, is it emus that bury their head in the sand? Is that, is that the right animal? Ostrich? Thank you. We're not like these animals that bury our head, head in the sand. We actually live in a real world. We actually experience things. We experience loss. And faith doesn't deny that the problem exists. It just, it just denies it a place of influence. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how many are king gardeners here? We've got one person. We're not going to have a good vegetarian lunch coming up. But how many know that when you prepare a plot of ground... You clear the grass, you you clear a plot of ground and it's prepared. The moment you do that, it's like you send an invitation to every weed in the neighborhood to come and plant itself in your garden. When we've got this seed, this word of God, faith growing, there will be things that come and compete for the sunlight, the nutrients and the water. There will be things, it's called unbelief, that comes to compete over the faith, over the word of God, over our life. It's interesting that unbelief actually grows the same way as faith. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Unbelief also grows by hearing other voices. This is how unbelief grows, is by hearing other voices that oppose the very word of God over our life. I heard this quote, I, I apologize, I don't know who it's from, it wasn't me. If you are in a fight of faith, ignore the noise. If you are in a fight of faith, ignore the noise. Once again, faith looks like something. 
It looks like the fact that we've, we so value the Word of God over our life that we'll do anything possible to turn off the noise. That may look like a season where we, we turn off social media. That might be a season where we turn off mainstream media. That might be a season where we don't read the newspaper. I don't think anyone reads a newspaper anymore. But the point is there might be something there might be a season of something where the Lord's calling us to turn off those voices, the power of ignore over what he said over our lives. Remember, faith doesn't deny a problem exists. It just denies it a place of influence. If you're right now in a fight of faith, I would encourage you to turn the noise off. Turn off the noise. Turn off the competing words, the competing voices over the word of God over your life, over the promise of God over, over your life, over the prophetic word over your life. The first way that we posture ourselves to fight a good fight of faith is we declare the word of God. Second way is we remove unbelief. And the third way, that, that, by the way, there's various numbers of ways that we see in Scripture, but these are the three that, that I've chosen this morning. The third way is intimacy with God. In Psalm 91, it's quite a familiar passage, but we see these incredible promises of God. In Psalm 91, we, we start reading down from from about verse 5 and we see that it says here these promises of God that you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence nor the plagues a, th a thousand may fall at your side ten thousand there um, the Lord will be re your refuge um, and your dwelling place no harm will overtake you no disaster will come near your tent these are all incredible promises of God but sometimes we've got to go back and read what verse 1 and verse 2 says. It says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. These promises are awesome. They're incredible. We read them. We love them. But it actually says, Hey, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's about this thing of, of getting alone with God about intimacy with Him, this close relationship of not just knowing about God, but knowing Him personally. Being in His presence, not just coming to church and enjoying the incredible time we have together in worship, but actually taking that to Monday, to Tuesday, to Wednesday, to our lifestyle. In John 15, there's a really dangerous scripture here. It should have warning all over this. In John 15, the context is Jesus is actually saying to his disciples and to us that the way that we abide, the way that we live in this relationship with him is he uses the analogy of a vine and branches. And he says the Father... He is, sorry, he is the, 
the vine and we are the branches. We're connected to him. And whilst we stay connected to him, we're going to bear fruit. And it goes on to say, without him, we can do nothing. But it's about this connection to him. And this is all coming back to this point here on intimacy with God, staying connected, staying close to his heart, having this real relationship that's not not based on... um, theoretical knowledge or religion but based on an intimate relationship with the Father and here in John 15 Jesus is speaking and in verse 7 it says this if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it shall be done this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples this is, a, this, this, is a, this is an interesting verse here. Verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Jesus is not throwing this verse in here to, 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 to create some space. He's not throwing it in here to make anyone feel better. This is actually a promise of God. And he's so confident of us stepping into these two elements Number one, it says, if you remain in me, this intimacy with God, this connection with him, that's the first category. Just this love relationship with the Lord, just this closeness to his heart, this intimacy, his presence. And then he says, if you do that and your words abide, remain in you, sorry, his words abide and remain in us, He's so confident that those two things put together that you can actually ask whatever you wish and it shall be done. Maybe you're reading this this morning and you're like, it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work, because you don't believe it. Because it actually takes faith to believe this. As we finish up this morning, recently I've had an opportunity to have coffees and chat with some people of great faith. And some of them, are, a lot of them actually are in this church and they cha- it challenges me. But oftentimes when I have a conversation with someone with great faith, I can be offended. Because faith is offensive to the stationary. Let me say that again. Faith is offensive to the person who's stationary. But this is what I want our response to be. Just like the disciples who Jesus was doing incredible things, a lot of which they didn't understand, Jesus comes down from the mountain where they're trying to get this demon out of this sun. They don't understand why it's not working. But guess what they end up saying after they see all this? They say, Lord, increase our faith. And this is what I want the response from Hope Point to be. In this area of faith and believing God is that, hey, we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to understand everything. But our response should be, 
at the end of the day, Lord, increase our faith. Because oftentimes we can come and have a list of 20 questions when our response should be, Lord, increase our faith. Maybe you feel a little bit like the disciples that they're in the boat and you've got a storm in front of you and you're asking the Lord, what should my response be? The one thing we know, he's looking for faith. What we do know is going into retreat mode is not something that's going to bring forth faith in our life. We have to aggressively move forward to see faith developed and faith built. And maybe you're here and you are in a a fight of faith right now. I want to encourage you to go home, get alone with this book and find every scripture or a number of scriptures that relate to you in your situation. Get the word and start declaring it over your life. Maybe you also need to go and have a think about what other noises, what other voices are in your world right now. Those things that don't build faith but actually work in opposition to the word of God over your life. And the third one was that place of intimacy with him. What does that look like for you? That place of intimacy where there's no distractions, where you can get alone with him, where you feel where his presence is there so that we can be people that can move forward and do everything that he's called us to do. Amen.